good. <laughs> Father, I just thank you for this man, God. I thank you for his willingness to serve you, Father. I thank you for his faithfulness to, to search the Scriptures out to see you, Father, for his own gain, Father, his own benefit. I pray this morning, Lord, that you just use him to speak to us, Father. Holy Spirit, just come and, and speak through him so that our lives can be changed, Father, that we can see you more, we can know you more. And I pray just a blessing upon him, Father, for his, his faithfulness to serve. Won't you just pour out, Lord? We thank you for this. I thank you for what you're about to share, what you're about to give to us. In your beautiful name we pray. Amen. Thank you, buddy. Good morning. During worship, who felt peace? Did anyone feel peace? Anyone feel vitality, excitement, joy? Just felt so good. Um, that's because <clears throat> the manifestation of God's kingdom was here, which is what we're seeking. We want, we want to see his kingdom manifest. You know when, when it's humid and you look through the window and you know the humidity level's at 100, which we've been experiencing lately, um, you can't see it. But as soon as you walk outside, that humidity that manifests on your body, you start to feel the moisture of it on your body. And then obviously you do sweat through that. But the initial feel is you feel the humidity. That, that's exactly what it's like for the church. The church is meant to be the one who, who brings that unseen world into this world. We, when, when we come into God's presence, then God touches us. And, we, and then the physical manifestation of His presence, of His kingdom, His government, starts to come into our lives. Then everything, everything aligns itself with His government. Everything orders itself with His government. And it just begins to like, for example, issues in marriage just come right. These things start to happen. Husbands and wives begin honoring one another. Children start to come into alignment. They start honoring their parents. They, 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 they stop chasing after um, disastrous fleshly desires. Um, we can see physical manifestation of healings if that's what's required. We can see mindsets just clear up and depression starts to go. Is this really loud? Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... When I talk, my volume does go up. I'm actually holding myself back. So I prefer to speak loud. My wife always says, I'm standing right next to you. And I'm like, it's, I'm, tone, I'm tone deaf in the one ear, you know? Just two things. On finances, and I'm not talking on finances, but this, this has been with me for a few weeks now. Actually, for quite some years, but I've been thinking about it again over the last few weeks. But we always brush through the financial part of church. It's like, get it out the way, because everybody starts getting really freaked out when we start saying things like tithes and offerings, money, you know? And we never want to manipulate people. But I, I, and, I'm, and I'm not saying that because I need any money. And um, uh, <laughs> what I'm saying, I want to say this, that, that, that the giving of our finances or into the kingdom has got nothing to do with the law. It has nothing to do with obligation. It has to do with covenant. It's a covenant thing. Like Abraham was before the law and he gave, just willingly, just gave because he realized God had given him everything. God had so blessed him that he just, I mean, God, didn't, doesn't, need, God doesn't need our money. Who knows that? He doesn't. But to keep this home going, he wants you to sow to him in the house. All right? To him in the house. I want to say, Dave, last week I was incredibly challenged in the most encouraging way to, to change the way that we live and how we see things. It was a phenomenal sermon. If you missed it, get it online. But that really just stirred me, man. There was like 100 amens coming out of my mouth. And um, 
Back, we call, I call them the back row barchers because they, um, but they're not there in the back row because they, <laughs> they're, all, they're all slack and lazy. They, they're trying to bring the vibe from the back so nobody misses out, you know what I mean? Because all the, all, <laughs> most of the time, all the like, the vibrant people sit in the front rows and then all the people that sort of sneak in last on the back, but you can't because you, you've got the barchers at the back there and they are, they're the watchmen. If you, if, you, if you come through any, anywhere in the back row, you're going to get touched by the, by, the, by the joy of the Lord coming from them. And either not chat, but her sermon a couple of weeks ago, man, that just blew me out of the water. It was just one of the most spectacular sermons I've heard for a long time. And uh, it's quite interesting because I spoke to Ben before Edith preached and said to him, hey, I'm really feeling, because I obviously my slots were going to be, and I said, I'm really feeling this. I feel to open people's eyes up to a spiritual dimension and, and how to understand um, wh- that, what this dimension looks like, but then how to ground it out in earth and, so that we don't get caught up and come under the cloud of, of, of heaviness that the enemy brings. And he said to me, Edith wants to speak on spiritual warfare. And I was like, fantastic. You know, so there was an, a nice clear stream and a confirmation for myself that, um, that this is the right direction that we should go in. <clears throat> I had a chat with a guy the other week, a couple of weeks back actually, a guy and his wife. And uh, they come from, the, the, the wife predominantly comes from quite a conservative background and uh, we were discussing things about sp- the spiritual gifts and, and how to operate and, and walk with the Holy Spirit and, and how to walk, walk in those gifts. And there was a little bit of a stirring in them to want to see this happen because they had encountered some, some people that they, they were friends of theirs who were really walking in this journey. And um, but the wife just couldn't get through her real conservative, and she's quite an opinionated person. So um, she, she's one of those people that thinks she's always right. And um, she was just, she kept coming back to, no, no, it needs to be, about the, it's about the Bible. We need to just, we don't want any of that stuff. We just need to keep it in the Bible. And then um, she threw in the thing of when Jesus was tempted by the devil, he just quoted the Bible. And I said, well, firstly, the devil quoted the word as well. Jesus didn't quote the Bible. He quoted the Torah. Remember, he did it in the spirit, and uh, and and we need to understand that that we need both the word, which is truth, or who is truth. Let's rather use it that way: the word, who is truth, and the sword of the spirit. Do you know what I mean? The the sword of the spirit is a weapon in our hand, and the word of truth is a weapon in our hand. And we learn how to walk with two weapons, like David's mighty men. They could wield the sword in both the left and the right. They were what do you call it? Ampidextrous. You know, I can play squash with both hands. I haven't played for a long time, but I can play equally well. I don't know why I can. Just play very equally well with both hands. And when I, when I heard that, I thought, David's men, have you seen the movie Troy? When Brad Pitt with his long hair comes running down and he just, you know, he's got two swords. He just grabs, grabs one and jabs the guy in the shoulder and kills him. It's like the opening scene of the movie. And then you see them fighting battles. And, they, and they, 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 although they've got shields, they've, they can wield swords in both hands. When I saw that, I was like, wow, that's like David's mighty men. These guys were fighting machines. We are fighting machines. We have the Word, who is Christ, who is truth, and we have the, the Spirit, who is the sword. And it's a flaming sword. And it's a sword that both divides, not people, but divides and heals. Both edges of the sword divide and, 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 and heal. So I want to go through, I said to Ben, I, want to, I, want to, I just felt to go through Ephesians. Now, I know we're running really late, but I, need, I want to get through the first three chapters, but I actually want to read, the way I felt to do it, Ben said, what do you want to draw out of it? I said, man, I just want to read it line for line, and then just take it from there.
with God over a period of 14 years. Heavenly encounters that he himself said he isn't even able to speak about what he saw, but he was receiving revelation from God. That's phenomenal. He wasn't able to speak about what he saw while he entered into the third heaven. I mean, for me, that is wild. You can make a movie out of that. So I just want to read through this and just begin to get us to the point where we realize that we are spiritual beings. And as an introduction to this, before I actually start reading, because I really want your eyes, the eyes of your heart and your spirit to be open, not your physical eyes. I want you to read and listen with the Spirit and with your spirit what the Holy Spirit wants to say as He brings to life the Word of God from this Bible. But I, I, want, I want us to understand this as a, as a foundation first, is that we need to understand that there is a spiritual world that is very, very real. We are spiritual beings, but we are also physical beings on this planet, which is a terrestrial realm, we call it, the terrestrial realm. There is a second heaven and a third heaven. It's, it's, it's pretty clear and evident in the Bible that there is spirit, a spiritual dimension to everything we do, everything we do, and everything we see around, well, sorry, everything that is around us that we can't even see is a spiritual world. Now, the church struggles to talk about this because it is mystical, and I'm not going to get super mystical, but I, what I said to this young lady the one time, I said, because she kept trying to draw back out of this, I said to her, what we've done is we're sending people we're sending an army of people with sticks and stones to fight against an uh, uh, enemy with automatic weapons. I said, who's going to win? I said, if, because we don't want to help the church understand that we are spiritual beings, we are, we, our, our fight is not against flesh and blood, friends. It's not against flesh and blood. If your fight's against flesh and blood, you need to re, re, reassess your life because that's not what we're meant to do. The enemy's got us fighting against flesh and blood, but it's not. Our fight is against powers and principalities. Now, as powers and principalities of the spiritual realm. And they, ha are, they are powerful. And they have got authority. And you'll see now as I read the word, in the word, the one word, exosia, which is the word power. There's another word for power, which is the word dunamis. And that means explosion. That's, a, that's when God comes and he brings power. It explodes. But the word exosia means delegated authority. So when it says powers, as you'll see it, there's powers. They are Delegated authorities. What do you mean by that? There are delegated authorities over regions, over cities that you don't see. Now, the, the, you can see how it manifests. And the way you see how it manifests is this. In our country right now, in this specific place, there is a massive issue with children 
who want to commit suicide. My daughter goes to a Christian school, and in her school, her friends are talking about committing suicide. They're writing things like this. This is, this is a big issue that she said to me, Dad, there's a problem in my school. Kids are under depression, and what they want to do is they, they're talking about committing suicide. We've had to they counsel each other through online messages. Don't do it. Please don't do it. Go talk to someone. This is going on all the time. Self-harm. A lot of self, I've never seen it in my life before until I came to Australia, how much self-harm people do. The beating of women by their husbands, and then obviously there's, there's, there is the uh, odd case of, of, of violence against the husband by the woman. But, but this is, it's so rough in this country that you cannot stand, it, like self-harm and suicide is not what I grew up with in South Africa. No one I ever knew had ever committed suicide, nor anyone that I ever knew of who knew of someone had committed suicide as a young kid. It was never thought of. So what I start doing is I start going, hang on a second, there must be a power and a principality over that nation that's manifesting itself into the people in that area, and that's what I'm seeing. So that now I know what my, what my enemy is, but now I've got to learn how to engage that enemy. And the last thing you want to do is go onto a mountaintop, put a stake in the ground, and start calling out Molech or whoever you want to call out, and start trying to take them down. John Paul Jackson said, if you do that, you will come under intense attack, because your realm to fight on is the terrestrial realm. This is the world that God has delegated to human beings. He put us from the garden, he put us in the earth, and he said, have authority over the earth. So what you've got to learn to do is we don't engage with the powers and principalities above us. But what we do is anything that's on this realm here, face to face with us, we have authority over that. That means you can take authority over your kids, over the children in our city. We can pray over our children in the city. We can pray over the issues that we see around us in our city. And what we do when we want to see those powers and principalities brought down is we get on our knees like Daniel and we begin to worship God and we begin to pray and praise. And it says that God establishes his throne on the praises of his people. So he will topple those authorities because they were delegated. And he is the one that sits above them who can bring them down. But we need to take on what's in this realm. If you've got an issue with, if you, if, you, if you know of an issue in the land, then you pray. You pray for that kid. You pray for that woman. You pray for that husband. You pray for that marriage. You pray for that sickness. This is our realm where we've been given delegated authority. Go for your life in this realm. Because God is delegated. He's given us exosia here. Amen? Okay. Does it make sense? That's just my introduction. So that when we read through this book... We can begin to see, or this letter, we can begin to see Paul speaking into the spirit of man. Not just, it's not just a book that's, you know, that's there for the physical realm. It's there to help us bring what's in the spiritual into the physical. We have to ground out here. We have to ground it out here. That's our role, is that we, the church, are the embodiment of God's kingdom on earth. I'll say that again because it didn't get through. We, the church, are the embodiment of God's kingdom on earth. So we know it's written by Paul because in uh, verse 1 to 2, he, he, he speaks about it. So let's pick up from verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Messiah, or Christ. Christ is, Greek, is the Greek. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Messiah, who has blessed us in Messiah with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. See, he, already he's drawn us from the third verse, or the first verse of him getting into the meat of it, he's already drawn us into the place of heavenly realms. Every spiritual blessing that we have is laid up for us 
in heavenly places. Much of the church doesn't even know how to access that. We wait for it. We think it's a a one-day thing. It's a future tense thing. When we all die, then that's where we'll go. When we all die, friends, or Jesus returns, whichever comes first, there is no more battles to fight. We will govern the the new earth in Christ fully. There is no battle. So so what he's speaking about here must mean this current age, this current world. He has blessed us in Messiah with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, the word even actually means just as, okay? That's when, when they say even as he chose us. It's just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. The word before is the word, it means this. It doesn't mean in the future, sorry, in the past, before. It means in front of. I stand before you today preaching. That's what it means. God didn't do it in the past tense. We're not, it's not only a past tense. He did it in front of all of the world, the foundation, the laying down or the, the, the throwing of the seed is what it is. The laying of the seed of the world. And the word world there is the word cosmos with a K, which is where we get the word cosmos from, which means the cosmic realm. It's not the world, this planet in which you're standing. It's the cosmos, the entire created universe, which includes this world. So he chose us in Christ, in the Messiah, in himself God, in front of the seed, the laying of the seed of the entire cosmos, so that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus the Messiah. According, he did this according to the purpose of his will, and he did it for the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. His grace has blessed us in the beloved, who is Jesus. In him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, which means our faults, the forgiveness of our faults according to And this was done according to the riches of God's grace, which he, I love this word, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Listen, just stop there for a moment. This kind of language stirs me. God didn't just give us. He didn't just, there you go, a bit of grace. He lavished it upon us. The word lavished is the same as if if a waterfall rushed over the edge and it hit you on the head. It would overpower you. If you were standing under a waterfall and there was no water flowing and then suddenly they, they lifted some sort of gate or, or let's look at a, 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 what's it called? A dam. The dam's locked up. You stand at the bottom and then they open the sluice gate and the water comes rushing down. That is the, the picture of lavish. It's overpowering. He didn't only lavish it on us. He lavished it upon us in all wisdom and insight. His wisdom and insight. The wisdom of God was that he would lavish upon each one of us His grace, His favor, His unlimited, immeasurable favor. Making known to us, listen to this, making known to us the mystery of His will. Wow. So we want to take away the mystical side of things and we want to put it away because it's too freaky and human beings can't maintain it. Friends, we are sons of God, spiritual beings. 
In actual fact, the book of Revelation, which never gets taught in the church because nobody knows how to work through it, actually says in the beginning, write these things down. It's the, this, is, this is Jesus or, an, or a messenger speaking to John. It says, write these things down so that people may know. And we're like, oh, that's just weird. And the whole book is spiritual. John is lifted up into a spiritual world, and the next minute he sees an open door that he gets called even higher up. Wow. There's a movie for you right there. And it's going to have to have a lot of special effects. Just saying. Don't freak out. Well, as my friend Paul Tuttle says, don't wig out at the spiritual world because you are a spiritual being. Learn how to walk in the spirit. The Bible says walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened. What is that? The, the, uh, your heart is not this pumping muscle here. It is the center, the seat of your being. And you are a spiritual being. It's the seat of your being. And you, you, God, God says, have the eyes of your heart, of, your, of the center of who you are, opened, enlightened. Okay. Making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, or Messiah, I like the word Messiah. It's got more of a punch to it. I think, I mean, I know the word Christ is the same thing. I just like, that's Brad's personal preference. According to, the, to his purpose, which he set forth in the Messiah, as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven, wow, and things on earth. What's he trying to do? God is uniting, God the Father is uniting all things that are in heavenly places with things that are in earthly places, and he's doing that in the Messiah, in Jesus. That's quite a big deal. That in Jesus, all things are united. Things from the spiritual world and things from the natural world are brought together and united in the Messiah. I just want to say that that includes us. In him... Jesus, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. This is just big. This is huge language here. We've been predestined. What's, who's been predestined? Mankind. <laughs> okay, this is, stop there. Mankind was predestined. It was God's purpose always that human beings would rule the earth. It's not you, like, okay, some people are predestined. I just want to say this. Some people are predestined to go to heaven and some to go to hell. That's what a loving God does. This is not what he's talking about here. He's saying God in love predestined mankind to rule the earth in Jesus, in him, in God himself. That's why Adam and Eve were placed into the garden. Messed it all up, but hey, here we are now. It's a new day. Okay? According to his purpose, sorry, according to the purpose of him, God, who works all things according to the counsel of his own will. He doesn't work it according to your will. He works it according to his will, and it's a perfect will, even though it doesn't look like it's perfect for you right now in the circumstance. We all face that, me included. This doesn't look like it's a perfect will of God, but it is. Obviously, you make a mistake. God can all easily go to you, listen, you've messed up here, but what we're going to do is I'm going to just shift a few things around. I'm going to use this as a lesson learned, but I'm going to still fulfill the purpose of my will in you. Do you want to carry on? Yes, Lord, I do. Then listen to me because I'm going to tell you how to get out of the woods. No, I don't. Well, that's fine. You can stay there, and I'm just going to wait over here till you ask me for my advice. That's God. 
And then we bang our head on a tree in the dark and we go, God's punishing me. No, he's not. He's waiting for you to say, Father, help me. According to the purpose of his will, according to the counsel of his will. Sorry. So that we, who were the, now Paul speaking about him, we who were the first to hope in Messiah might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, you, that's you also, those of us are reading, in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel, the good news of your salvation, your soteria, or so, it comes from the word sozo, which means the gospel of your wholeness, your healing, your well-being, your rescue. It's all of that incorporated into one. When you heard that good news about this incredible salvation and you believed in him, then you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance. Let's quickly stop there for a second because I'll get on to the next part. I asked someone this the one time. I said, how do you know you're saved? And he said, because oh, I said the sinner's prayer. I said, that doesn't make you saved. He goes, but I said... Uh, I repented, I followed what the preacher said. I said, I want to ask you that question again. How do you know that you are saved? And he said, well, I gave my life to the Lord. I said, how? How do you know that you gave your life to the Lord? How do you know? How, how are you so sure of this thing? Well, I said the prayer. I've been going to church all the time. I said, mate, that doesn't make you saved. How do you know you're saved? How do you know? Without a shadow of a doubt, I'm born again of God and I'm eternally in him. And he said, I don't know. How do you, Brad? I said, because the Holy Spirit witnesses to me every day of my sonship in God. Every day. He's the guarantee of my salvation. He, I know because he is in me every single day. I know. And he went, wow, actually, that's amazing. I said, regardless of what prayers you said, how many times you've been to church, the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of your salvation. God has given him to every single person who's a son or daughter. who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. This is, am this is amazing because what happens is if, if, we in, if we're in Western society, which we are, we understand the inheritance is this. I have a life insurance policy. I own a home. When I die, then my daughter gets that. And my wife. Hopefully we, Jesus comes before anyway. But what happens is that your children in, in, in Jewish society, it, it wasn't like that. You know, what it was is they understood the inheritance, but they worked in the inheritance alongside their father, enjoying their inheritance now. The story of the prodigal son or the good father, which is I prefer to call it, the gracious father, says it to the older son. He goes, son, you have been at my house this whole time, yet you haven't even asked me. You could have taken and, and had a, a a fattened goat or calf or sheep. You could, have, you could have had it and celebrated everything that I had. You've had my ring on your finger, because he was the oldest son, would have had the ring of his father, which he could have walked into the markets and gone, I'm, let's say it's Dave, I'm Dave's, I'm Dave's son. I'd like to buy those items there. And they'd go, no worries, we'll put it onto your father's account. I would go back. I would have a belt. I would have a, a robe that would tell I'm part of a family. I would be able to pick up the plow and I'd plow in the field that is my inheritance. 
I worked my field. I worked alongside my dad, knowing that one day, my, all of this was so that my dad one day would pass it on to me, and I would pass it to my children, and my children, and their children, and so on and so forth. And that's what a Hebrew understanding of inheritance is. Until we acquire possession of it, is that we don't wait for it to come one day, but he is there with us as a guarantee until we learn, learn to walk in it. That's what it means. Until you learn to pick up the plows and walk in it. Until you learn to go and, and, and do business on dad's behalf. It's not a future thing. It's a now thing. It's a learning thing. It's a mature thing. As we learn to mature, we start to see, we start to take possession of our inheritance. That's what I want to say. We, want, we start to take possession of it now. Does that make sense? For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Now this is Brad's little, because now he starts to tell him what he's praying for. So I go, I read it like this. Remembering you in my prayers. I pray this for you, that the God of our Lord Jesus Messiah, who is the Father of glory, he may give you a spirit, not a mind, not an intellect, a spirit of wisdom and of revelation. Wow. So it's a revelation in the knowledge of himself. So he, God, Paul's prayer is this. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus will give you, his people, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowledge of himself, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, so that you may know, that you may know, the word know is not, a, is not an intellectual knowing, and it's experiential knowing, okay? That you may know by experience what is the hope. Hope means surety. It means surety. It's not like, uh, I hope the sun comes out today. It's not a wishful thinking. I hope the sun will come out. We say this, my my hope is tomorrow the sun will rise and it will be another day. That's, that's what it is, my hope. Like my hope in my love for my wife. It's a sure thing. I don't hope she loves me like, oh, I really, I really hope she loves me. If you say, to, if the word is I'm sure, beyond a shadow of a doubt, she, she loves me. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know by experience what is the surety, the surety to which God has called you. What are the riches of God's glorious inheritance in you, the saints? Wow, that's quite a big deal. His, God's, the riches of God's glorious inheritance is in you, the saints. And what is the immeasurable? Friends, how, how far is immeasurable? How much is immeasurable? See, we read, the, we read text and we don't look at it properly. Because we just breeze through. I've got to get my reading through. That's fantastic. I stopped and I go, the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. His power, not against us, towards us. That means he's for, it's like, it's like saying his power, his immeasurable power for us who believe. According to the working of his great might that he worked in Messiah when he raised him from the dead and he seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. He placed him far above all rule and authority and power, exosia, and dominion. He's not talking about human beings. 
He's speaking about spiritual beings. Jesus has been placed above every single spiritual power, authority, ruler in heavenly places. And he's got a name that is above every name. Not only in this age, this world, but also in the one to come. And the word coming that they use there is the word epichomaya. Epichomaya, which means this, to supervene, to arrive, attack, influence. And supervene means to occur as an interruption or change to an existing situation. What's trying to come against us? Powers and principalities of darkness. What are they trying to do? They're trying to supervene. But Jesus has got a name above every other name, above every ruler, every power that's trying to intervene, trying to come, trying to interrupt. See, friends, it's not about a future world one day. Remember what I said, when it's done, it's over. All of them are in the fiery lake of fire. Or fi well, is the fiery lake of fire. There you go. That's where they are. They're in the fire. No more. But right now, they are trying to supervene into our world, into our dimension, into our delegated place of authority, the place that we've been given exosia over. So when they step into our world, we just say, see you later. But when they remain in that world, then God fights that battle for you. You just leave it. Then we just worship because you can do nothing else but worship. That's why when we worship today, we felt the presence of God manifesting. I literally, in the spirit, I was standing there. And as we started singing up, I just began to see literally a, a removal of darkness from above the city. Just, I just literally, it was, like, it, was, it was like a flash of light hit and this darkness just fled, gone. And I just went, wow, God, that's what our worship has done today. We've worshiped along with many others. Let me, let me ask you this question. This, this how many churches do we actually have on the Gold Coast? Okay, I want to say this. We have one church. <laughs> I, know, I know it was a tricky question, sorry. But we have one church. We have one church, many tribes. But I want to say this. We've operated as if we are 200, 150, maybe more. That's how we work. We don't work together because all we're trying to do is get people to come to our stuff on Sunday. Come to my stuff. Come to my stuff. Come to my stuff. How many, how many Israels were there? One Israel. One nation, multiple tribes, one direction, take the promised land. And God allotted a piece of land to every tribe. Why do we fight for another man's land when God has already allotted to us our land? Come on, guys. Well, who are we fighting? Flesh and blood? Because that's what the enemy wants. Do a show bigger, get more people. Why? Because in Western society, success is how big you are. In God's kingdom, success is when he comes and dwells with you. That's success. One church on the Gold Coast. If we got on with our job of taking the land, the whole land, and when I fight for my brothers and, and we win that piece of land, just like Israel, they allotted it and then they moved on and an army of people would go with them to go and fight for their land. Go fight with your brothers for their land because they have now fought for yours. And then they would leave their families to establish and then they'd go. That's what church planting looks like in the city. That's what it looks like when we start working in, in true unity. I said to Ben the other day, unity is not going to a, a pastor's prayer meeting together. 
and handing out flyers. Come to my event, come to my event. Unity is not all of us you know, showing up at each other's events. See, I've got five people from my church coming to your event. There's unity. No, it's not. Unity is when we start standing as one body for the benefit of somebody else. I'm just saying. And you, where did I go? Sorry. And he put all things under his feet, and he gave him as head, Jesus, as head over all things. I want you to say over all things. And this is the key word here to the church. He gave Jesus as head over everything to the church, which is, we the church, which is his body, the fullness, this blew me away when I read it years ago, the fullness of him. Friends, I want to say this, and it's not um, blasphemous. We, the body of Christ, we, the church, you, that's you and me standing here today, we are the fullness of the Messiah. We are his fullness. Yet he fills all things in all. That's a, it's like a, um, it's like a little conundrum in your brain. You can't figure it out. One thing is Jesus fills all things in all ways, and he is Messiah King sitting over all things. However, you, the church, are the fullness of Christ. That means we've got an incredible task. And you were dead in your trespasses, your faults, and the sin in which you once walked. See, that's a past tense thing. In which you once walked. Following the course of this world, this cosmos, following the course of the cosmos, following, listen to this, the prince, the ruler. This is what the word prince means. The word prince means, uh, oh, sorry, authority, sorry, the word prince means ruler of the power, exosia, of the air. We once followed another spirit. We once followed another delegated authority. What was it? Well, it wasn't Jesus and it wasn't God. God most high. It was another God, a, a, a lesser God, a demonic God, a power, a ruler that was given authority. For you, it was, if you were born here, it was in Australia. You followed that. For me, it was in South Africa before I got saved. And when I moved from South Africa to the UK, whatever spiritual powers were over there, I was following what they were. Without even knowing it, I was a stranger, the Bible says, and an alien to the covenant of God. The power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. And I want to say to you, that word disobedience in the Greek is the word apatheia. And it covers quite a few things here. Apathia is where we get the word to be apathetic, to have apathy. Oh, I've got a bit apathetic about it. There's no purpose in someone that's got apathy. But it means this. You, you, want, you want to know the first, the first word of, of disobedience, the word, I don't know why we translated disobedience, but the first explanation of it is this, disbelief, to the sons of disbelief, to the sons of unbelief, to the sons of disobedience. If you do not believe, you disobey. If you disobey, it's because you don't believe. Even as a Christian, we can be apathetic. We can be apathetic. We can stand in disbelief. And then guess what? We start following other things because we don't believe that what God's asking us to do is actually achievable or that doesn't seem like the way I would do it. So what I do is I enter into disbelief and I follow my own way, which is actually disobedience. It's the same word. If you don't believe God, you'll walk in disobedience to him. Bang your head on the tree until you, until you decide to stop. 
the sons of disobedience, among whom, I love how Paul keeps drawing, drawing us out of, out of that. He goes, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. Now it's, he says, carrying out the desires of the physical and the intellectual. And you were, you see, how are we supposed to live? Not by the flesh and not by the intellect. We're supposed to live by the Spirit. So he goes, when you were living in the passions of your flesh, you were carrying out the desires of the body, the natural stuff, and the desires of your intellect. And you were by nature children of wrath. That was your nature. Just like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, that even when... We were dead in our trespasses. He made us alive together with Messiah. By grace, you've been saved. And he raised us up with Jesus. Friends, that is a very, very big theological reality. That is a revelatory reality that if, if a Christian catches that, it can transform your whole life. That one word, he raised us up with Christ and he seated us with him in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus, so that, and this is why he did it, so that in the supervening age, aeon is the word, age, in the supervening, in the, in the age, which is this age, in which things are trying to interrupt, so that in the coming, in the supervening age, he might show the, again, he has another word, the immeasurable riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Messiah Jesus. For by grace you have been saved. It's through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is, and it is only the gift of God. It's not a result of works, so that absolutely no one can boast. For we are... God's workmanship, created in Messiah Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What are those good works? Authority. Go back to Genesis. What were the good works that God wanted Adam and Eve to do? Nothing's changed. Multiply. What? Multiply yourselves. Multiply my kingdom. Multiply getting people into that kingdom, multiply it, and subdue the earth. How much more time do we have? I wanted to get through to the end of this chapter. Four minutes. <laughs> Therefore, remember. Now he's going to bring He's going to give you a great understanding. Therefore, remember that at one time, you, Australians, South Africans, New Zealanders, wherever you come from, Gentiles in the flesh, in the physical form, who are called the circumcision by what is called, sorry, who are called the uncircumcised by what is called the circumcision. We're not going to, which is actually just a fleshly thing. Remember that you were at that time separated from the Messiah and you were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. You were not a part of the promise. You were strangers to the covenants of promises, having no hope. Why did you have no hope? Because you were under powers and principalities that were of the darkness, the prince of the air. You had no hope, and you were without God in this cosmos, this world. But now, in Messiah Jesus, you who were once far off 
have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one. And he has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Now remember this, there was hostility between Israel and the nations around them. God has destroyed that hostility and he's brought both of us. He's brought us, the Gentiles and the Israelites, into one covenant in him, into one man, one new man. He's made us both one and he has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments that have been expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man. In place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us, reconcile both Jews and Gentiles, both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. That's a big, big deal. That we have access, we have access to the Father, to God, to God the Father. That means we have access, friends, into the courts of heaven. That's a big deal. You can walk into the courts of heaven. When you stand and you pray, you are actually legislating before the great judge presenting a case as a son and a daughter with an advocate who is Jesus standing right beside you. That's a big deal. Use your authority when you walk in. Learn how to get into the courts of heaven. Father, you know, our prayer times, Father, oh, I need you to help me with that. I need this, I need this, I need this. We need that. That's bad. Help me. Change my husband. Change my wife. Amen. We don't even wait for the judgment. We don't wait for the advice. Go in and learn how to legislate properly before the judge. Standing in the courts. And you come before the great king, the great judge. Father. Who is your father, by the way? That's just phenomenal. Imagine that. You walk in there. Father. And then learn how to pray. Learn how to speak into that courtroom. And it's not a begging, asking so much. It's presenting a case. Father, in, your, in Jesus, you have brought me this true life. You have taken poverty out of my life, and I know that right now the circumstances are not looking good, but I speak that the blood of Jesus has covered all of that in my life. That is my, that is my legislation, and Jesus will stand there, and you'll go, yes, Father, I agree. Jesus will amen that. <laughs> yes, the blood has covered that. Father, I messed up in this area. I've been a gr grumpy husband, and my, and my wife and my, my kids are, are, not, are not doing well because of that. I'm coming before you, and I'm saying, Father, your blood has covered me. That is the old man that you have removed from me, but I've lived with that old man. I'm asking you, Father, can you please put me into a position where your blood is, is, has covered me, and I'm now brought into that new nature status? Can you bring me into that by your spirit? Yes, I can. Jesus goes, amen. Then we wait. I've learned lately, especially with people that are close to us passing away, how to, how to ask God, Father, what do you want me to pray in this situation? What do you want to do here? What must I pray? Not just pray, because it's easy to pray, especially when we lost Mark. God, heal Mark, bring Mark. And then I, I, I remember God just saying to me, just calm down. You need to just stand back and just, just, just ask me, Father, what are you doing here? What do you want me to say? How do you want me to pray? And then you just wait. And sometimes all I want is, Father, I don't understand, 
But whatever you have decided, let that be done. Wow, now we're just aligning ourselves with God. Even though it doesn't make sense to us. God, I want Mark healed. I want him to come back to life in that bed, but I don't understand what's happening in your spiritual dimensions. There's things up there that you have not given me privy to understand. Can you teach me how to pray in this situation so I'm praying directly in line with your will? Do you want me to just end it there, Benny? Okay. Yeah, I've got three more, four more chapters to get through. (laughs) Let me just finish this last chapter here quickly. And he came and he preached peace. We've gone through that. So you are no longer strangers now, you are now and aliens, but you are now fellow citizens with the saints. You are members of his household of God. That household of God is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. That doesn't mean that you need an apostolic prophetic team. What that means is that the prophets prophesied the Messiah would come. The apostles declared that he had raised back to life. Jesus is the Messiah. That's the foundation. Jesus is the foundation. He is also the cornerstone. Jesus being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure, the whole body being joined together grows into a holy temple. We are the holy temple of God. We are the holy temple of God. In him, you also, church, are being built together into a place where God himself will live, will dwell. Amen? By his spirit. I don't know where to take it from there. There's so much more. We're going to keep going through it as we, over the next four weeks, we'll keep going through this. Benny will take a session. I'll take another. Benny, another, if that's how we're still doing it. Um, and hopefully by the time we get through it, you, our, our eyes of our hearts are enlightened to understand how we walk out this journey with God and ground it into everyday life. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Should we just pray? <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for your incredible blessings of life, true life, that we find in you. Open the heart, sorry, open the eyes of our heart that we will see, not in a spooky, freaky way, but truly see you. Understand how to walk as spiritual beings, grounding it out in this realm, through our natural bodies that you've given us for a time, but to bring ultimately your kingdom so that you are given ultimate glory and praise. We thank you for the privilege of being called to such and being delegated such an incredibly precious task. Teach us how to live it out. Teach us how to live this out, Lord, every single day from a place of peace, from a place of authority, from a place of love. And help us to be patient with each other and others in this journey. Bless every single person here, Father, with your spirit. Pour out your spirit upon every one of us and i pray for us lord that we would listen to the leading of your spirit as we know that you lead us and guide us into all truth we say in the name and authority of your son jesus to let it be so amen